Welcome to the Abbot Loop Community Church Podcast. Enjoy this message from Josh Tanner. All right, we're better together, right? So this whole message series is about learning ways that we can practically apply the principles that God has laid out for us to stay together and uh, really work and synergize our relationships together, okay? So uh, I, I really have a lot to cover today, so we're going to dive right in. But I want to say sort of before this, like one of the ways that we stay together is doing practical things like forcing ourselves to disrupt the rhythm of our life and get into a small group. Because it isn't exactly convenient, right? But it's good. And so we're, we're doing things that aren't convenient and disrupting the regular rhythm of our life so that we can uh, be, be a part of something that is good, amen? So build those relationships. I encourage you to get into a small group. Even if you don't like the person running it, just do it anyway. <laughs> All right. Hopefully you like somebody. But we're talking about relationships. We're talking about being better together. And one of the most uh, difficult things to do is have relationships, be in relationships, stay in relationships. Amen. And so today's message is really for every season of your life, but you've got to stay engaged. There's a lot of layers to the principle that I'm going to lay out for you today. And so you, this is not the kind of just sit back and not really think kind of message, okay? You get lost and be like, what are you talking about? I'm totally lost. Just stay engaged. And I want you to understand, this is for relationships before you're married, if you're married, or if you're after marriage. Every season of your life. But you got to think about these principles applied to you in what season you're in. Because if you're in a marriage right now, you might not be later. Amen? I mean, that doesn't sound good, does it? Amen? Yeah, no. But it's the reality of life. Sorry, that was weird. Sometimes I do weird things. It just isn't guaranteed. Sometimes people pass away, right? Sometimes people make really bad decisions and we're left alone. This is the reality of life. And you might not have a marriage yet, and you might want one, or you think, oh, I want to build towards a marriage, and it, it, that, you might be waiting a while. There's no guarantee that's going to actually happen for anybody, right? All right, so we're going we're gonna to talk about some principles that help us govern our relationships and our life so that we can always be producing life around us, okay, because when we start to disrupt relationships, we start to disrupt the ecosystem of the church and what makes us great. Because God's called us for a great purpose, it's to work together. So the first thing we're gonna do is we're gonna understand the power of principle. Principle is so important because principles govern laws. Principles govern laws. Gravity is a law. You can believe in it, you can understand its principles, or you can experience consequences that gravity will provide for you. Some of those are hard, broken limbs, Sometimes death. Okay, so Galatians 5.1. Man, this message is so encouraging already, and we're just getting warmed up. Galatians 5.1. Here we go. Principles applied to your life. There are consequences. Ephesians, or Galatians 5.1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. God is not bringing about religious to-dos and not-to-dos, to put you into bondage and to keep something good from you. When God gives you a principle that governs a law of the way that he designed the world to work, and when you apply it to your life, it sets you free. 
So what we're going to do is lay in some principles that are going to release you into freedom, not burden you with more things to do. So that's the purpose. So you've got to stay principle-driven in this message about relationships and not allow it to be a bunch more rules about what you can and cannot do or you're in trouble, all right? So here's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about first is we're going to talk about the seat of marriage. And you've got to stay with me. Uh, Every time I talk about this, everybody gets confused. It's just the way it is. And um, you have to think about this is that you have a seat of marriage. Whether you choose to be, put someone in it or not. To be in a marriage is different than to have a seat of marriage that you're protecting and honoring all the time. And so the, the faulty thinking is to think, oh, I'm single, so therefore it's just me and me alone and there's no seat to honor and protect. All right? So this is a high-level thought that I need us to wrestle. And normally when I talk to people, we just dialogue, and they go, I don't understand, and I ask them like 20 questions until they finally get it. So you're just going to have to get it because <sighs> I can't just talk about this part the whole time. There's, I want you to imagine it's like a love seat. There's seats for two, okay? It's a love seat. And... You get to choose, God gives you the choice if you want to put someone in this seat or not. When there's not a human being, human being in this seat, when there's not a human being in this seat, sorry, then this seat belongs to Jesus. I want you to get this. You are not made, your goal in life, your purpose in life is not marriage. Your purpose in life is to please and serve the Lord, whether you let someone sit in your seat or not. If you always keep Jesus first, no matter how this person behaves, like sometimes we're in a marriage and they don't behave well. You need to behave, right? And sometimes they violate it. Sometimes after the marriage, when the person leaves, we're like, I'm used to somebody sitting here. This is hard to be alone now. Sometimes they just run off and they go start their other seats of marriage. That hurts. That's difficult. So here's what you have to see is that in Genesis, God said that it's not good for man to be alone. God designed and desired for us to have marriages and to be fruitful and multiply. He made man and then he made woman so that we would have relationship and be united. And it says that we would become one flesh and go be fruitful and multiply. So marriage and multiplication is all part of God's design and plan, all right? But here's the thing. Ephesians 5.31 says, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Something supernatural happens when two people decide to go into a covenant relationship, and we call that marriage, and they make a commitment to one another, a covenant. It, It fuses you together, spirit, soul, and body. It's actually a supernatural thing. And this is why it's so important for us to protect 
and honor and understand. See, if I pretend like it doesn't exist and I'm just a single, and I'm just a single, and I'm fancy and free, and I have nothing to protect and honor, and then I just like behave however I want, and I do things that really are only meant for the context of marriage, but they're with people that are not in a covenant relationship, I leave behind me a wake of destruction and damage in people's hearts and lives, okay? So we have to understand these principles. And then the other thing is that if I think I'm made, and this is my destiny, is, oh, I'll never be complete or fulfilled or have real life if I don't have someone sitting in this seat, then I'm seeing wrong. And that's a hard thing. I understand loneliness is difficult. But when your life is given over to the Lord and he becomes number one, then this loneliness space is not so overwhelming. Okay, you're made for a life with Jesus. You can let Jesus fill this space until someone who is worthy to be in that spot can sit in there. So before we go too much farther, we all make mistakes, okay? <laughs> Nobody's pointing no fingers, certainly not me, okay? Uh, and, and I've made my share of mistakes, and my wife and I, we've been married 23 years now. Praise the Lord, it's been awesome. Been together for a long, long time. But there are things I wish I could take back before I got married. Yeah, here, here, I heard that, yeah. And, you know, there's people that my wife and I, we don't hang out with. There's girls, right? Just saying, there's girls that I dated. There's dudes that she dated that we don't hang out with. Because it's kind of like, you know, when you sit down on the toilet seat, and then you kind of like, feel like, it's kind of warm. And somebody else, somebody else has been here. Just makes you feel weird. You start asking questions. Who was that? What were they doing? Okay, how long were they there? Good one, good one, daughter. How long were they there? Exactly. How bad was that? So, when we, not to just get totally stuck here, but if we don't understand this, okay, that, that we have a seat to protect whether we choose to be in a marriage or not, okay, that, that, that we have to protect and guard that as if it existed, okay, and that we give our life to Jesus and he's the number one, we don't have, we don't live for filling that spot with marriage. Otherwise, you live for the marriage and what happens when it's over? You have nothing to live for anymore? You get prophetic words that say, you're going to have this amazing marriage, blah, blah, blah. Don't believe that stuff. I'm just trying to be straight. I just want to pastor you good, okay? It's fine. You could be like, oh, hopeful. Somebody prophetically said that I'm going to have a marriage. Don't live for that. Live for Jesus. If that happens, praise the Lord. You start living for that thing. It does or doesn't happen. You start questioning whether or not God is real because some dude isn't in your life or some chick didn't come along. Come on. Or that prophetic person was just like eating too many brownies that they shouldn't be eating. They don't even know what they're doing. Okay. Paul gives us these instructions that in Corinthians chapter uh, 1 1 Corinthians chapter 7, he says in verse 32, he says, I would like for you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs and how he can please the Lord. But a married man is, his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or a virgin is 
concerned about the Lord's affairs, her aim is to be devoted to the Lord both in body and spirit, but a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world. How can she please her husband and all this other stuff, right? So I am saying this for your own good, not to restrict you. Here we go, principle-driven life, not restriction-type life. It brings you life when you understand that when you sign up for marriage, it has a lot of work, and it comes with a lot of rewards and blessings, but you're trading something, you're exchanging something in your life, which is your freedom and singular devotion to the Lord. And that's where you're going to find fulfillment. If you're single, I'm talking to you right now. If maybe you're single because you were single earlier, yet you're still single and you never got married, or uh, you're single now because of other decisions that people have made in your life, or maybe you lost a loved one and that's sad, I'm sorry. The reality is, is that the Lord is your focus. And your interests are no longer divided. And if you're feeling lots of loneliness, devote more of your life to Jesus. And that'll fill that space up. Start serving and stop looking for marriage. Start looking for Jesus everywhere you can. You have all this extra time. You're going to experience this huge amount of fulfillment in your life when you just give it to the Lord. And when you know that is true goodness, not what the world says it is, but you pursue that true goodness, then you'll experience this thing that we're elusively going after all the time we call happiness. Happiness is a byproduct of you experiencing good things at a good pace in your life. And you need good things at a good pace, and those all come from Jesus. And we, but, but if we focus on trying to, you know, like some of these apps that are out there, Tinder is this great one? A great one. I didn't mean to say it like that. I'm, I'm judging it in no way. It's neutral in my mind, okay? And we have this. This is how we make decisions about who we're going to be with these days. I put in my profile... And then everybody else puts in their profile. And then I, it automatically generates potential matches for me through the power of, uh, like, intelligent computers. What do they call those? AI? Artificial intelligence. There it is. Okay. <laughs> and then I look and I go, ooh, swipe up? Yeah. He shows me another one. No. Swipe up, yes, swipe, no, 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 down, no, no, no. Just keep swiping till we find all these, oh, I got a group of people that could be potential matches for me. This sounds good in its, right, thinking, but the way we think about relationships that way, it's like, if we don't understand the right principles, then I'm sitting here and I'm like, swipe up, swipe down, swipe up, swipe down, <laughs> sit in, get out, in and get out, in and out, in and out. If we don't know where real healthy relationships should begin and end, we can be violating this space, this seat of honor of marriage, and creating a ripple effect or a damage in, in, in relationships all around us and not understanding it. So we got to know what the principles are. We're going to know how to work them, okay? And so, so some of the things is when you understand there is a seat to honor, all right? Whether you're in the marriage or not, you're honoring this space that you could Decide to be in this marriage. And then you have to understand the power of seeds, decisions, okay? You have to understand the power of decisions. You gotta see them like seeds. And you gotta understand what seeds do. We have seeds and trees is the title of this whole principle. So I want you to remember this principle is seeds and trees, okay? Seeds and trees. Look at this seed. You have a seed in the palm of a hand. This is a mustard seed. Guess what a mustard seed grows up to be? A mustard tree, all right. 
a mustard tree. It's the smallest of all seeds. And I don't know if that's really biologically true or whatever, but it is a small seed that grows into this great big humongous tree, all right? But this seed is coded in its DNA, in its genealogical makeup, to be one thing. Can that seed grow up to be an apple tree? No, you cannot grow. It's one of my kids. He said that depends. No, it does not depend, son. It does not depend. It is permanently decided in its DNA and its coding. It will only be a mustard tree. If it was an apple seed, what would it be? An apple tree. If it was an acorn, what would it be? An acorn tree? An a you said a fetus? Who has said a fetus? That's weird. Okay, no, it can't be a fetus. It will be not an acorn tree, which is what some people think. It will be an oak tree, all right? Acorns become oak trees. And tr listen, don't feel bad, because every time I say, what is an acorn, they go acorn tree. Every it happens all the time. People say acorn trees all the time. But seeds become whatever they were destined and coded to be. So when you think about applying principles to your life, you must think about them from the smallest form to the largest form. The biggest to the smallest, from the beginning of what you're doing to what it will grow into in the maximum future. And then what does that thing do? So we water it and it starts to do what? Sprout and grow. Bloom and grow, bloom and grow, right? And then it grows into something else. Now this is an acorn tree, there you go. It makes acorns, but it's called an oak tree. An acorn tree, or an oak tree, makes acorns. It has a purpose. That little seed is coated with purpose to make more seeds of its kind. Wow. Wow. That's something. What kind of seeds are you sowing in your relationships? And what are they growing up to be? Oh. So Jesus said this, and he said this in Matthew uh, chapter 5. He says, have you heard that it was said, do not commit adultery? That sounds like the tree form, right? Adultery in the physical relationship, that's sex outside marriage, okay? Tree form of physical relationship. Matthew 5, 28, but I tell you that everyone who looks upon a woman lustfully has already committed adultery in her heart. His heart. Oh, that was weird. Look upon it. That happens. That happens these days. Okay. <clears throat> Work any way you want, I guess. All of that is thinking seed to tree. Jesus is teaching us, think seeds and trees, guys. Smallest form and biggest form, it's all the same. They all have the same consequences. They all produce the same thing. And so there's three core things that really, that, that, that are happening inside of all relationships, all right? So you're protecting them when you're single. When you're married, you're guarding and protecting them against other people. And when you're married, you're cultivating them in your marriage. And then when you're outside of marriage, you've got, again, honor the marriage you had and protect that seed, all right? And or, it, like the Bible says, that if your spouse passes away and you decide that's what you really feel is right for you, you can remarry and you can, but only when your spouse passes away. There's a reason, all right, is that we create 
ripple effects of problems. And it's, it's, if you end up in a relationship like you just got to keep moving forward, but you're going to have real difficulties and there's going to be consequences and hard things to work through when we violate the principles. And if we just think marriage is what it's all about, then someone leaves us and we just fill it in with another person. Someone leaves us again and we fill in with another person because they think we have to. You don't have to live that way. Happiness is not your number one goal. Pleasing the Lord is your number one goal. And if you really want true goodness in your life, then you're going to apply the principles and then you're going to set you free. You're going to experience life from them, okay? So three main things that we're cultivating that create this, they have the same desired goal designed and coded by the Lord. He puts them in seed form. It's in the physical relationship, your emotional feelings, your, your soul, and then also in the spirit. Three types of ways that we're fused in intimacy. And all of those things lead us to intimacy. So when we start the physical relationship, and we would say sex is the tree form, the full form of uh, the physical relationship designed to create intimacy and bear fruit. It multiplies. Creates intimacy. The Bible says that when you come together, the two become one flesh. Oneness. So God's desire for intimacy is oneness, not two-ness and three-ness, right? But it's just, it's not brother husbands around here, okay, ladies? Get his sister wives or brother husbands. It's neither way. You can't do either one. You can't just have all kinds of multiplicity of relationships. It creates a huge mess. But we have to think how in the tree form of these things, we'd say sex is definitely easily to identify, designed to be within the context of marriage. Am I right? There are things you share emotionally with your spouse that should stay in the context of your marriage. You and I, we shouldn't be sharing those things in other contexts. Sharing places and things in our heart, vulnerabilities of our heart and our life with people outside the context of our marriage. This goes for when you're in the marriage or you're protecting the marriage that could be or has been, all right? Is that we, we can emotionally connect and attach, we physically can connect and attach, and when we do those things, we have a spiritual connection that happens. There are things that we share in that space that are only there. But we've got to think about this in the big form and the small form. Because Galatians 6 says this, don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man will reap what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh they will reap destruction. If you sow even little seeds, it can destroy you and destroy your relationships. Whoever sows to please the spirit, from the spirit will reap eternal life. So when we apply the right principles, we start to reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. A lot of ways that I started to really teach all of this, of course, was when I was in youth ministry dealing with all kinds of singles. When you're single, you think about marriage a lot. When you're married, you think about golf. No, I'm just kidding. That was a joke. I'm just teasing. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Wait, you should be thinking about your marriage. Sometimes we get distracted. That was really supposed to be the point. And we get used to it, but we should cultivate it with as much desire and, and love in our heart as we did be, we had when we were thinking, oh, this marriage is going to be amazing, right? So we're cultivating those things, but we have to understand that they produce results. And what kind of seeds are you sowing in the physical part of your relationship, the emotional and spiritual? So you're in a marriage. I'm talking to you, married folks. Are you cultivating those things in your marriage? 
You need to be, because they're creating oneness and they help protect you from other relationships. And you have to guard against no, not doing things in the seed form that are only meant for the context of your marriage. Let's think about physical touch. Let's think about the physical relationship. If sex is the full-blown intimacy that creates oneness in our relationships, what might be the seed form of the physical relationship? High fives? No, that'd be kind of... <laughs> yeah, how about first romantic touch? The first romantic touch where your heart leaps, you touch, and you're like, and you feel the chemistry. And all of a sudden, a seed was put in the ground. And what is that seed going to do? <laughs> From a woman that's had six babies, make a baby. It's true. When that physical relationship starts, it starts to grow. And are you in control of how fast it grows? Well, I'll just be one here, like, Sometimes it grows fast. It, sometimes that, that, that physical relationship starts to grow. Miracle grow. In fact, God sort of really designed that part of our lives to grow very, very quickly so that we will live monogamous relationships, one with another, and be attached because we're better together. It's true. But we're better as the church together too. And, and if we keep disrupting our relationships all the time, over 50%, of all Christians get divorced. It's true. I'm not shaming anybody, but it's damaging our communities. Because this is one of the things, I had the hardest time building a youth ministry until I started teaching these principles. Because all the kids, they get together and they're all singles, right? Of course, they're all young adults and single, and then they start like loving each other. And then loving on each other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's having a spiritual moment. And what would happen is they start dating and then they're practicing and sowing seeds in their relationship. They start kissing, holding hands, and connecting emotionally and belonging to one another, which is only meant for the context of marriage, okay? If I was kissing another girl, I think my wife would have a problem. Because I'm in a marriage, right? But even if she wasn't there, I would still be protecting one that I could potentially have. Do you understand? Say yes. Just say yes. Okay. This is exhausting. Okay, here we go. So what happens is, is that if I was holding hands romantically with another woman, would you guys think there was a problem? I think my wife would have a problem. But what about when you are not in the marriage? You have not chosen to be in the marriage yet. What's the difference? If you're not in a covenant relationship and you're sowing seeds that are only meant for the context of marriage that are going to grow to produce intimacy, they're going to produce oneness, you're not made for two-ness. And if you start holding hands and having romantic encounters with people, you're, you're sowing seeds into something that's trying to grow and to bring you into oneness with them. It might be small oneness, but it's still oneness. And if it's not right in the context of a marriage when you choose it, why would it be right or good for you when you are not in your covenant relationship? Come on, seeds are trees. It's, it, 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 the, the world rotates one way, guys. It, it, you stop the world and flip it and make it spin the other way, all your dishes are going to fall off the you know, shelves. So it, the God has got stuff in order, and it works by purpose and design. 
And, and we either come into alignment with it or not. We just pretend, oh, it doesn't really matter. But this is why we're practicing divorce all the time, separation all the time. And our hearts just keep getting train wrecked. And, and in the youth ministry example, it was so annoying because then they like start dating, holding hands, and like, oh, I love you, I love you. And then they break up. Because they don't know. They're like, I'm just exploring. I just feel I need to try out different people like Tinder. Swipe up, swipe down. Just try out different people to see if they're going to be the right one for me to marry. How am I going to know if I don't just experiment? But in what way are we experimenting? When it's appropriate or inappropriate in the context of marriage. That's where we need to understand how the principle works. Is we can explore and learn and know things about people and others if, and not violate the context of a potential marriage or the one we're in. We can. I'll teach you. I'll show you how the way. I'll show you the way, my friends. Okay? But we have to first understand that sowing seeds that are only appropriate in the context of marriage are for everybody, whether you're single or whether you're married or whether you're after marriage. Okay? It all works the same. <clears throat> if we violate this, it's going to be really hard for us to stay together like my youth ministry that just kept getting disrupted over and over again, then I start teaching this principle, and then they stop dating. I'm like, praise God. Everybody stopped dating, and they only started just getting married when the time was right. And that's the next principle, is that we have to understand sowing things in season. Look at Ecclesiastes 3.1. There is a time for everything, and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace, uh, uh, embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. Hallelujah, youngins. Okay. A time to search, sometimes like we're at school or we're in public, we're like, it's not a time to embrace, right? Okay, a time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear uh, and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. In everything there is a season. So if when we have these seeds in our relationships and God gave us these three core things in the physical the emotional and the spiritual that are designed to create intimacy and they're made to grow and they're made to bear fruit and all of that is good because God made it. God made it and he said it is good. So it's supposed to be good and actually is trying to produce something good. And so when we sow those seeds out of season, like let's say we're, we're really not ready to commit and it doesn't matter. There's singles in here of all ages, right? And there's people that are uh, even at post, right? You're like, are you ready for that commitment? You might be lonely and want some of the benefits of what it could take that you get from a relationship, but are you ready for the covenant? If you're not ready for the covenant, don't sow seeds. Seeds grow. <laughs> grow. <laughs> I'm 13 again. They grow. And they grow into something to produce intimacy and oneness. It's only meant for the context of one marriage, not two marriages or three. Amen? If you're not ready for the context of marriage, don't sow the seeds because they're going to grow up and they start producing a harvest. They're trying to make intimacy happen. And if we sow the seeds too soon, when we're not ready for the covenant, we're like, whoa, let's back this train all up. And that's where we start saying, we need to have some boundaries in our relationship. 
We planted the seeds, they're growing, and God grew them, growing them so they'll produce fruit, right? And, and that's good. And then we're like, whoa, we need to back this thing off because all of a sudden we're gonna have babies. And we're not married. This train starts moving. You're like, whoa, 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 we need to cut this back. So we start to prune and trim with boundaries. Let's not ride in the car together. Let's not hold hands anymore. Let's not kiss while we're laying down. Let's make sure we keep all our clothes on. Okay, have all these good boundaries. Those are good boundaries. You probably should have those if you're not married. It's a saying. We, make, we can make up all kinds of stuff. Don't look me in the eyes for more than three seconds. I've heard the most ridiculous things. And it... Because then it just gets too connected and I just can't do it. You're like, okay. Then don't start sowing seeds there. If you're not ready, don't do it. Be wise. Seeds grow. That's the thing you understand. And sometimes they grow fast. So what about pruning? See, God talks about pruning. Jesus talked about pruning. He says in Jeremiah 17, 8, he will be like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Trees are made to bear fruit. Your life is made to bear fruit. Your marriage, your relationships are made to bear fruit. Matthew 7, 18, a good tree cannot bear good, uh, a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown in the fire. A relationship starts to produce bad fruit, what do you do? Chop it down. Chuck it in the fire. You're like, well, we're done with that one, but what's left? All the roots. You still got roots of that remaining relationship to sort out. John 15, 2, look at this. Sometimes it's time to chop a tree down. It's true. Some relationships are toxic and they're bad. You got to cut your losses. But how about we operate in wisdom and try not to end up there? That's the goal. All right? It doesn't mean if you are there that you don't have hard decisions to make. you got to make hard decisions. You shouldn't stay in abusive relationships, right? I mean, all that's true. And we try to avoid that with applying wisdom to our life. That's what we're trying to do. John 15, 2. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. And while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Pruning in the kingdom is about making it produce more fruit. So when we prune our relationships, when we're talking about intimacy, physical relationship, emotional, spiritual, when we prune it, it's so that it grows more fruit better. But you can't do that if you're not in the context of your marriage. They call that fornication, okay? Sex before marriage. Adultery, out of marriage. Not good. Produces bad stuff. Ripple effect of all kinds of damage in our relationships in life. But it's starting to grow. And if we think, oh my gosh, I can't have sex before I'm married. I can't have all this stuff outside the context of my marriage. And we start to prune it, but we prune every branch and to keep it down so that it won't produce any fruit. Oh, so God made it to produce fruit and good fruit. And he says, if it produces no fruit, then it's bad and we should chop it down. Instead, we start relationships outside the context, the right season. And then we, they're made to grow, so they start growing like crazy. And then we just try to prune them all down and keep them so we feel comfortable. And we're okay, but then we're investing all this time and energy to keep something from producing what God made it to produce. So we invest all this energy for no fruit, actually only risk. It's so counterproductive that we are pruning against the purpose of God. 
And it's just about wisdom. It's about understanding how to sow seed in your relationship in the right season. And not when you're in the wrong season. So how do you discover whether you're in the right season of your life or not for a relationship? Oh. And how do you find the right person that you should attach your life to? Oh. Solved so simply. I have one simple answer. It's going to just be like, no, I'm just kidding. It's not like that. Hard but simple. It really is. 1 Timothy 5.1 says this, Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers and older women as mothers and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. How do you find out who uh, is right for you in your relationships and marriage? You need to learn how to cultivate relationships with people, men and women, older and younger, as brothers and sisters, mothers and fathers in Christ. That's the principle. You have to know seeds and trees. The small things become the big things, and the little things are just as impacting. They're starting to grow intimacy in your relationships. You have to understand you have a potential marriage seat to protect, whether in a marriage or not, right? But you and I have to take this space and guard it with such passion as if our lives really depend on it, as if our community really depends on it. And if we sow this principle in and we begin to live as brothers and sisters, well, what would you do with your sister? <laughs> Don't ask that question in Louisiana, right? Okay. <laughs> That's not the standard we're going by. Omit that from the record, please. Okay, um, okay strike that. But I'm saying like, in a healthy way, how you would treat your sister, how would you treat your mom? Okay, well, that's how you should treat my wife. That's how I should treat your wife. That's how we should treat one another with absolute purity. If you would think it about your sister, then you could think it about anybody. If you don't be thinking it about, like thinking, oh, well, there's, there's no real seed of marriage over here for me to protect. I can think any way I want. No, 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 no. You do that, you're gonna create Lots of damage in relationships. <clears throat> Brothers and sisters, folks, in every context, whether you're pre-married or never going to get married, you're totally devoted to the Lord, you're uh, married, we treat one another with absolute purity. And if we govern this with boundaries, then anytime you see a guy and a girl standing next to each other talking, you're like, oh, is something happening? It's like junior high. That is so toxic. Then always having all these judgments, we're thinking people are always in these affairs and everybody's having all these problems. Rather than we learn how to live with absolute purity. And I see that it is death for me to move outside the context of my marriage. It is life for me. God's not keeping something from me by restricting me to only one woman. That's life. And I'm gonna protect that and I'm gonna protect your seat of your marriage. I'm gonna protect your life. Brothers and sisters in Christ, folks, with absolute purity. And in this when we're, we're better together, okay? You wanna learn who is best for you and you're trying to think about who might come sit in this seat but you don't let them try it out. No, 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 no. You love yourself enough, ladies especially, you're not letting anybody just try out the seat. No seeds, no nothing. You're worth it. You're worth being protected. Protect yourself. And our community, if we really get to know each other, can protect one another. 
And so one of the best things to do is to ask the people that you know love you before you give your heart away and you fall in love and you go blind with love. And these trees start growing. You're like, well, it's just so amazing. And you can't even see whether that person is decent or not. Ask the people around you. Get to know people around you. Ask the community around you for input. And this is why a lot of arranged marriages actually do really good, guys. And I'm not advocating that we should go that extreme, but I'm just saying that let's include the people that love us the most. And like, if you're young, don't exclude your parents. They kind of know you. They raised you from not an acorn. <laughs> right? And that space is so difficult because we're so prideful. We just think, oh, I should be able to do this on my own. Why? We're better together. We're made for community. Build relationships. How about your friends that really can't stand that dude or really can't stand that girl? Ask them why before you let your heart fall in love with them. Do you think this is a good match for me? Do you think that person might be a good fit? And they might see things in that person you don't see. Ask questions, include people in your relationships. And it doesn't matter if you're married or not. Sometimes you're married and you need to ask the same kind of questions. You think that I need to trade this old model out for a new one. Either it's your wife or your husband. You're like, hey, he's looking kind of old and shabby. I want a younger one, you cougars, right? Or you're like, hey, this one kind of smells bad and doesn't take good care of himself or behaving badly and maybe I made the wrong mistake and someone else would have made me happy. Happiness is not your goal, Jesus is. Just saying. I'm not saying it's easy, it's gonna be hard and it's not gonna be awesome all the time and people make stupid decisions and you and I, we suffer with it, right? And so, thinking the grass is greener with another relationship is gonna make this relationship solved all of a sudden and then we have these complicated, blended families all of the time, right? It's very common in America now. No shame. I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying that's hard. And you can serve Jesus that way. You need all of Christ to help you get through those things. But when we sign up for that, it complicates the relationships. It makes them difficult. There's a lot of things to overcome, siblings and siblings and all that kind of stuff. It will not be easier or better, I promise you, okay? That's, when we, that's the thinking I want to disrupt is it's not going to be better. Giving your life wholly over to Jesus, that's going to be better. That's the solution in every single one of these. Treating each other as brothers and sisters, protecting the potential seat of marriage as if it existed all the time, amen, and looking at everything we're doing from the smallest form to the biggest, seeds and trees, that's how we're going to produce life uh, in our relationships, and we will be able to stay together. That's a part of the problem. It's just staying together. As a whole church, our leadership teams won't disrupt. Our marriages won't disrupt as often. Amen? That's what we really need. And we have to stick it out together. And no shame where when somebody's struggling and it's not happening perfect, so what? We all make mistakes, right? And it's just like we don't want anybody like looking in and go, well, what happened in your marriage? And what happened there and there? Whatever. It doesn't matter. We're where we're at right now. And it's about what are we teaching the people that are coming up and what are we saying is right and best? And even if we've made mistakes, we don't just justify those and say, well, we're working it out now. But hey, it came with consequences. Don't say, well, it's just fine. The Bible says it's okay. And just start like crowbarring it around. No. Be honest. That was hard. If you had a divorce in your life, that was hard. That wasn't easy. Someone left you and changed on you. That was hard. That wasn't easy. Replace that with another person and maybe you did that. And you're like, you know what? I really love this person. We're having a good relationship. But that was actually hard too. 
And there are other compounded parts of that relationship that are difficult. I tried out two, three different guys or girls before I was married and I, because I was lonely and thought I needed to. And, and then when I finally got married, it's kind of like, I had to, we had to talk about that stuff. That was hard, that wasn't easy. Maybe you sowed the seed in your relationship a little too soon and you have babies before you were married and like there was all, that was hard too. Like, listen, life is hard, but God is good. And he gets us through every single piece of it. And so the thing we don't do is look around and go, who measured up the best? Who did it right? How do we be together? How do we help support one another, plug in the right principles so we can draw a circle around our life right now and say, I wanna live for you, God, and what you have that's best for me, that's truly good, because that's gonna be the best road for me always. Amen? I wanna pray over you, and then I'm gonna invite just anybody who's here that wants to receive Jesus, you get a chance to do that. But let's pray. Father, I just love you today. God, we just love you. God, I'm asking for your love to pour out on your church today. I pray for just a revival to break loose over us, that we would see the way you see. God, that we would hear the way you hear. God, we would just protect and honor the marriages that are out there, God, that we could potentially be having or that we are in now or that we had. God, I pray that you would protect and guard our lives and relationships with one another, God, and your blessing and favor would be on us. And God, you would help us to see, God, and, and align and renew our minds and be refreshed by your word today. Lord, and I just thank you that you are always good, even in the most difficult of circumstances, that I come against what the enemy would want to bring is shame and condemnation but I didn't do it right. Lord, we rebuke those thoughts in Jesus' name. We pray for mercy and love to abound. Love covers. None of us did anything in our life perfect, and that's why we need you, Jesus. So we just cling onto the mercy seat of Christ, and we thank you, Lord, for your love that covers a multitude of sins, a multitude of missing the mark. And we pray for every marriage that's in distress right now, every relationship that's just maybe in one of these different seasons that are kind of difficult and off track, we pray for your grace to just abound. Lord, will you just bring just total restoration, healing, comfort, strength, wisdom beyond our understanding to help us through, to help us break through and get through in Jesus' name. If you're here today, just keep your eyes closed for a moment. You're here today, and if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I'd love for you to respond and give your heart to him. You're made for an amazing life with Christ. It's one way to heaven, it's through the son Jesus. He died for you. There's nothing you could have ever done that would keep you from the father's love, that would separate you from him. If you're here today, it's very simple. You just believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved. If there's anybody here and you'd love to receive Jesus, right where you're sitting, we'll pray, it'll only take a moment. Would you stretch your hand up in the air and just say, pastor, that's me, I'd love to pray. I'd love to receive Jesus today. Anybody here? Jesus, I want to receive you. Yeah, thank you very much. Anybody else? Let's pray. Pray this. Jesus, come and save me today. Save me from my sin. I believe you are God. Fill me with your love and your Holy Spirit, I want to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please connect with us at abbotloop.org and like us on Facebook. We hope to see you soon.